the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome. Welcome on back to our itsy-bitsy, teensy-weensy Saturday night show. I'm Randy Corpin, your pumped-up purveyor of principled, passionate patriotism, fresh off a day of politics. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Uh, it will be interesting to you only if you are a political geek or particularly interested in what is going on in Colorado with the Republican Party. But there are some bigger issues that flow out of some of the things I witnessed today and some of the things I had a chance to talk about when I had a couple of minutes on stage that uh, I think are more important than just the outcome of individual days and individual votes. We have elected a new vice chair. Talk about that and how that voting broke down and uh, hopefully be joined by the victor here sometime in the next hour or so. The amendments that were part of the voting today for the Colorado State GOP were pretty non-controversial, except for, of course, the Bonniewell Amendment, which is uh, the one that encourages or requires that if you don't actually show up to vote or submit your proxy so that someone can vote for you, then your vote will be counted as a yes vote to opt out of the open primary. And we'll talk a little bit about that, too. In fact, it's one of the most significant things that I walked away from in understanding what's really going on with our Republican Party. And that vote, I believe, is still going on. I actually had to leave the meeting to fly in here in the last couple of minutes and be ready to spend some time with you tonight. And it had gotten to a roll call vote. I got to hear a lot of the arguments and uh, participate, contribute just a little bit. And I know that I will be texted by a number of people when we get the outcome of that amendment. A lot of other things on tap tonight, though. I um, always, Alexa is always the first to text. And this is an extremely interesting point that she's making. Been on my mind as well. Happy Saturday. I think Jack Smith and the Dems have overplayed their hand. Trump can now subpoena so many people regarding the election, January 6th, etc. Also, if the Florida charges are set for trial in May, the D.C. trial will have to be way later than that, right? Trump has the right to prepare for each trial, Alexa. We'll come back to that, but I want to just start the show with Kind of an update. So many people this today, there were a little under 400 people present at the meeting. I think three, 355.83 people showed up. Okay, there were actually an even number of people, but some have only a percentage vote available to them. And I, when I walked in, I just was so touched by all the people who, you know, came up and put their arms around me or wanted to pray with me and, and were said they've been praying for the last two months since the death of my unexpected death of my wife back on June 3rd. And it was very, very touching. And, you know, this is common. This is normal. I've probably done it a thousand times. It's not 
bad behavior or anything. I'm not suggesting that anybody change, but the very common thing is to ask how you're doing. And this particular week has been a rough week for me, but I, I stayed very busy, very productive, got a lot of things done, really starting to crank back up on the law side of my life. And, uh, and you know, I'm getting through the, the ups and downs. I analogize it to when I was teaching White Dragon Kung Fu as a student teacher, and we'd get ready for fights, and you'd keep getting hit, you know, you, you hit and you get hit, and it doesn't mean that you stop getting hit, it just means that your body starts to get used to the blows, your body toughens up. And I feel like, although <laughs> there were sometimes this week it didn't seem so, but I knew I'd get through it, but it seems like that kind of works the same way emotionally. This morning... I woke up. I, I've been popping up at 5, you know, 5.30, um, but pretty much 5, and we're no different today. And I was really feeling pretty good. I was excited about the day and thought it was important to get this special called meeting out of the way to get us a vice chair and get these amendments done. And so my mind was not, you know, living in my house, I, there's no corner I turn where Tana isn't present. But I've gotten used to that. So I'm just bouncing along and feeling pretty good. And uh, in a few minutes that I had, I like, you know, I'm straightening up, cleaning up piles, things that have been sitting around for, you know, two months. And right next to my chair where I sit, you know, at the end of the day where I'll flip on a Netflix or do something, fall asleep, whatever I'm doing. I cleaned up a little pile and all of a sudden I pulled up birthday cards for my wife. And they were unwritten. They're the cards I had purchased for her birthday, and she died the day before her birthday. So that was like another kung fu kick in the heart, you know? And that's just the way it's going to be. I understand that. I have such compassion and sympathy for other people who've been experiencing these level of losses. I don't equate one with the other because, you know, they all suck and they all hurt. So I put that aside, deal with that later, didn't look at them, didn't want to think about them, just ugh, and got back to getting ready and thinking about remarks I might make if I had the opportunity at the meeting today. And I uh, took off and drove down there and got to the meeting, and the meeting was exciting, and, and uh, again, so much support from great people there. And, excuse me, and... As I'm leaving, and I have to bail out, I have to give my proxy, I got through everything. The vice chair vote, didn't know the results yet when I left, because uh, they, they had not been announced, but all six out of the seven amendments got through, and some of the arguments on Article se or uh, Amendment 7. And as I'm leaving, this wonderful gentleman... And I, you know, sunglasses are on. I've got my bag. It's uh, my badge is off. It's clear that I'm heading out. And he, he grabbed me and he started talking to me. I couldn't really hear him because we were inside the meeting room. So we stepped out. And he he was crying and he he was sharing his heart with me and said, you know, he'd been praying for the last two months and. Uh, I don't know his own personal story if he, he had suffered a loss like that. But all of a sudden, after, you know, being so very supportive of me, 
he told me that he had just left a hospital where some of he and his wife's best friends, the husband and the wife were there, and the wife who had been fighting cancer had operations and body parts removed. I think it was in a bone, a hip. They found that it had metastasized somewhere that there was nothing that they could do. And so they just moved her to hospice. And he was just devastated. And I, he knew that I would understand. You know, for me with Tana, it, it was a bang zoom. I mean, I was with her home that day and, and it, all of a sudden in a matter of 20 minutes, things took a fast downturn. And then, you know, 30, 45 minutes later, by the time I'd followed the, man, it was less than that, 30 minutes later, maybe, time I'd followed the, uh, the, followed the ambulance to the hospital and got in there, she was, you know, pretty non-responsive. And so it was lickety split, bang, zoom, in your face. And I still wonder, you know, is it better to, never got to say goodbye, never got to say that last I love you, is that better, worse? I don't know, but... What I walked away with was first, this man was, you know, carrying this massive burden inside because of knowing that his one of his best friends was now experiencing this horrible, horrible reality after fighting with his wife through so much um, health negativity, cancer, my God. And uh, and yet the first thing he wanted to do was express his condolences to me and and uh, share that he had been, you know, he and his family had been praying and all those wonderful things. Human beings, human nature, uh, when we take out the politics, when we take out the division, and I understand there are some really disgusting people. We'll, we'll talk about some of them who still uh, at least try to have influence in the Republican Party, probably in the next segment. But um Human beings are just amazing, their capacity for love and joy and, of course, grief and sorrow. And I have to admit that as I walked out to the car, I just – I had so much compassion pouring out. I didn't, didn't cry or didn't even feel like crying, but I just felt overwhelmed with understanding of how much sadness and how much loss – that so many people have to go through. And I'm trying to make this a, a, a priority. I don't think I really have to ingrain this in my children now because they've seen how quickly um, something that's very special, you know, the, the most important part of your life or right up there uh, can just drop out in a moment. And I think that they will always remember and treasure their spouses, their children, without an expectation that there's always a tomorrow. Because, man, oh, man, until until you go through that, until you're the one who gets hit with it, you can always feel sad and sorry and supportive for the, for the other guy who just got faced with this new reality. But you can't understand just how real that is. And so I just encourage you to hold your loved ones close. My wife, I and mean, we weren't perfect at this. Lord knows we weren't perfect at it. But, you know, you have that old thing, don't go to bed angry. Don't let the sun go down uh, without fixing whatever is going on on that particular day. And 
It's hard if you're a human, if you're a stubborn human, if you're a strong-willed human, it's hard. But, oh, man, is it important. So very important. So I just, because it hit me so hard as I left the meeting and, you know, came right here, I, I just, I didn't have anybody else to share it with. So I hope you don't mind that indulgence. But I do want to talk about, well, a couple of questions on, on the plate for me and also give you the results of the vice chair race here before we go to our first break. But should Donald Trump participate in the RNC, the first RNC debate? And if so, why? And if not, why not? I have heard some really good arguments on both sides. I have my own idea, and not because he's told me, but I've talked to enough people, heard enough people. Although you can never predict what Trump's going to do, right? It's, it's, uh, he's so good at, at drawing the attention and keeping the drama alive. Uh, set aside the drama that's being foisted upon him. I'm going to talk about all of those things tonight, but this debate is coming up. Uh, man, it's only what two or three three weeks now, something like that. I'll be there. I'll be disappointed if Donald Trump isn't there. Uh, Vivek, I think, or Vivek will be the uh, the replacement Trump if that's the case. But what do you think? If you're a Trump detractor, should he go so he can be you know exposed? If you're a Trump supporter, should you should he go so he can exert his dominance and remind people who love him why they love him, and not act like you know he's afraid to face the music or face the competition or whatever. Or is it politically dumb to show up when you're this far ahead of everybody, everybody, including Ron DeSantis? One thing that was really cool at the start of the meeting today was the fact that uh, three very significant presidential candidates made video messages to this Republican Central Committee. And they all, you know, congratulated Dave Williams on his election as chair. They commented on the grassroots nature of his candidacy and his positions. And they were really fantastic. The first video that was played was was from Donald Trump standing in front of a flag, very, very Trumpian, and uh, gave Dave kudos, you know, called him his good friend and, and said said he'd be seeing us here in Colorado. I have no inside information on that. The next video was uh, Vivek Ramaswamy trying to get that right because you get so many different pronunciations of Vivek, but that's the way I recall he pronounced it in his video. He did the longest and most substantive video. I mean, this dude knows how to spoon feed the grassroots the Constitution, liberty, uh, getting rid of the Department of Education, reducing the size of government of the fourth estate by massive percentages and on and on and on. And so he's very interesting to listen to. And I've got a, a friend who is very close inside of his campaign, so I expect to get an opportunity to meet him when we go out for the RNC meeting in Milwaukee here in about three weeks. And then the third video was Ron DeSantis. And he was great, too. 
Interesting. One thing I'd never noticed this before. It did and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but has he changed the way he pronounces his last name? Because, you know, I've been following DeSantis since he was just since he got elected, since Trump endorsed him, and then he was elected as governor in Florida because he really went to work. Literally the best governor in the in the United States. There's no question about it. Sorry, Jared. And when he announced himself, he said, I'm Ron D. Santos, like he emphasized the D. And that that just seemed new to me. It almost seemed a little awkward. But his video also uh, was very personalized to the Colorado GOP and, and called out Dave Williams, our chair by name. And he obviously has the right things to say as well. So that was a pretty cool way to start the meeting. And the election for vice chair, and then we'll take our first break, but the election for fight for vice chair required two votes. And I was really surprised by the results. The uh, All four candidates, one had already dropped out a couple of nights ago after a forum. Actually, during the forum, he said, uh, and I don't remember his name, but it was kind of interesting. He said, I think the deck is stacked for Todd Watkins, the former sheriff candidate from Douglas County, and I'm going to drop out. And he said more than that. Uh, that's not a total context, in it, but I don't recall him really giving a reason. Anyway, we were down to four, just under 356 people that voted. And uh, there was Aaron Woods, who ran for chair, young activist, family man, marketing guy, lots of kids, uh, very charismatic, Watkins, who I just mentioned, a doctor by the name of Stu Assay. Oh, yeah, the other guy who dropped out was Alex Mugatu. Alex Mugatu, and I don't recall where he's from, don't know him. But Dr. Stu Assay, a woman named Hope Sheppelman from the Western Slope, and then, again, Aaron and Todd. And at the end of the first vote, and, you know, I've, as you know, I've been out of the loop, just barely starting to get back into uh, my, my duties and my interest and my enthusiasm for saving our country, reforming our party, calling out all the radical idiocy that goes on the uh, comes from the establishment class, the donor class, the former <laughs> leadership of our party, which we are definitely talking about probably in the next segment. But anyway, uh, as a sort of outsider, since I hadn't been very deeply involved, except for that one forum just a couple of days ago, the way the votes came out was... Um, the doctor, Stu Assay, uh, only got 19 votes. Remember, we have 355.83 votes available because a few votes are split based on county size, different things, different voting members from a county or whatever. Uh, so the doctor got 19, which is 0.05%. Um, Aaron, and this surprised me, Aaron got 65 of the votes. That's 18%. I really thought he'd do better, uh, especially after his run for chair. And he's he's a talent. I hope that... The Republican Party or outside groups that are helping bring forward conservative principles, conservative candidates, that he stays very, very active because he's really, really good. And then the person I thought would be the front runner, Todd Watkins, former sheriff candidate from Douglas, got 29% of the vote with 104.83 votes, which left Hope, Hope Sheppelman from the Western Slope, veteran. Uh, registered nurse, I think, 
167 votes, 47%. So we had to go to a second vote. And because you have to have 50% plus one to win on the first vote. Now, if it gets into a third vote, then the bottom people get dropped off and gets reshuffled. But that didn't have to happen because after that vote, both Stu, Dr. Stu Assay and Aaron Woods came up and said, I'm going to withdraw my candidacy. And I know Doc did this, Stu Assay. I think pretty sure this is what Aaron said as well. They both asked their supporters to throw their weight behind Hope Shuppelman. So that was a surprise to me. And again, I don't know Hope. And so uh, based on performance on stage and everything else, it was pretty even Steven. Um, but I just learned, and in the it was just announced 15 minutes ago or so, that Hope Shuppelman is the new vice chair of the Colorado State GOP with about 65% of the vote. So congratulations to her. I sent my congratulations or my thanks to Todd and Aaron for their efforts. I don't have contact information for Stu Assay or Alex Magatu. But, um, and I, of course, congratulated Hope, who thinks she'll be able to join us probably at about 6.30, so you can hear from her for just a few minutes. And that's the story for the vice chair race. The thing that was going on hot and heavy when I had to leave, and until now I'm getting text messages. Let's see if we've got a surprise for you. Okay, we've got a decision on the Bonniewell Amendment, and we'll share that with you when we return. I'm Randy Corcoran at 710 KNUS. That is a great bump in for this particular hour of the show, Sticks Blue Collar Man, because, well, number one, Sticks fired up in Chicago when I lived there, so actually got to see them in high schools, and that was pretty cool. But the Republican Party is clearly becoming the party of the blue-collar worker. The Democrats are the elites, the corporate media, the George Soros funding, the George Soros's son virtually living at the White House, all of the high-tech and the woke corporations. All of that is at the feet of the Democrat Party now, where Donald Trump completely changed the the. I don't know, the attraction, and some will say, yeah, he's killed the Republican Party, but the attraction to Republicans for the average worker, bringing back steel mills and manufacturing and utilizing tariffs, as Ronald Reagan did, to equalize unfair economic practices. As a leadership program of the Rockies graduate, I was just, I was nurtured nursed on free market economics, and I am a believer. But that can only happen when it's fair. And so Donald Trump was looking out for the little guy, and they know it, and they appreciate it. And that is a major, major change for Republicans and Democrats. We've got callers on the line, 303-696-1971, 303-696-1971. Before I give you the results uh, just in from the Colorado State GOP Central Committee on the Bonniewell Amendment, Amendment 7, which was designed to, in this one circumstance only, where state law requires that 75% of the entire body vote in the affirmative in order to opt out of open primaries, this amendment would have allowed for that one purpose only 
that if we didn't have typically and we didn't today, we don't have anywhere near 75 percent of the entire membership of the state central committee even present to vote. And so if they don't send in a proxy, their vote just has the effect of being a no vote in this one particular area because of that ridiculously high 75 percent threshold. And so this amendment, the purpose of it was to, if someone can't even be bothered to send in a proxy, I understand you're working, your kid is sick, you're uh, vacate, whatever it is, you're in the military, any anything at all. All you got to do is get a proxy to somebody and then your vote can be counted. And in this one particular instance, it would have meant that if you didn't do either show up and vote or send in a proxy to vote, that your vote, your absence would be counted as a yes because of this high 75 percent threshold. So that has been decided. Jack in Adams County has a comment or two. So, Jack, welcome to the show. Are you going to tell us if the Bunningwell Amendment passed? You better believe I am, but I thought we'd get your comment in. You know, we got to build the moment. <laughs> well, I want, I'm, I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. Love it. Uh, first order, uh, condolences for your recent loss. Thank you, Jack. Uh, on the question you ask about the debate, the Republican primary debate, yeah. Donald Trump should absolutely not go. He has no competition, especially in the light of the DeSantis campaign collapsing. Uh, and it's it's the opportunity for Vivek Ramaswamy to shine. If Donald's there, every, everything's Donald. I want to see Vivek have his night. Yeah, I feel like Vivek will be the sort of the sit-in for Donald Trump because he's the only other candidate of all that will be on that stage who haven't attacked Trump, who aren't trying to tear down Trump in order to increase their the room for their few followers. And Vivek has been so smart about that. He is very Trumpian uh, and very individual as well. He's such a great speaker and a great story. Um, so I, that's well, a very... A man, a pa- a man he, he's a brilliant man, yeah. a man with passion. Do you want to know why I said that DeSantis campaign is collapsing? Sure. Well, Sundance at the conservative treehouse uh, talked about one of uh, DeSantis's top donors, a ho- hotel mogul, who is friends of Harry Reid and used to contribute to Democrat Harry Reid, told DeSantis to moderate his campaign. And so DeSantis jumped right in line and came out, said that the 2020 election, Trump was wrong. It was legitimate. Yeah. And so that is the end of his campaign. Well, it's probably the third or fourth end of his campaign, as far as I'm concerned. I just, I don't understand why we're bothering with the primary. When you have this much of an insurmountable lead, just think of the hundreds of millions of dollars. And I don't mean that we should forcibly end a primary. Obviously, if people want to run, they're going to until we get to the end of that thing. But the smart move, if if these other candidates and their supporters actually cared about defeating Democrats, we wouldn't be wasting these hundreds of millions of dollars on these debates, on campaign spending, all of it. We could throw that money into developing a get out the vote and a ballot harvesting where it's legal mechanism to play on an equal field with the Democrats. And we're just wasting time and money. So did you hear what Joe Rogan has recently said about Trump? I did, but go ahead and share it with the audience and 
Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rogan said if it came down to it, he would definitely vote for Trump above uh, our current occupant. And he, he said, Are you, the people that are running against Trump has no chance. You have a guy like Trump when he puts his hand in the air and tens of thousands of people start screaming and cheering. He said, you're going to run against that? Yeah, which of course brings you back to the outcome of the 2020 election and, and the impossibility of believing that, uh, that Joe Biden somehow comes up with, you know, 10 million more votes or whatever the number was. But I do want to say one thing, Jack, and then get your, uh, the comment you wanted to make on the Bonniewell amendment before we let you go. It is okay to refer to Joe Biden under his correct title on this show. And if okay. you've and if you've forgotten what it is, you know, he's the putative president. He obviously holds the office. But I, I think the most appropriate description of him is creepy, sleepy, touchy feely showers with his daughter, Joe Biden. And as long as you feel feel comfortable uh, using that correct title, if you want to, I know you were being that's careful a, there. That's yeah. the best description. It, it is. He's so disgusting. I saw another video while I was sitting in the meeting. I think it went across on Twitter, and I don't recall what the event was, but it was a bunch of Democrats and, you know, a tiny little number of people sitting behind them, probably seven people in, in the crowd, seven pe- people total in the crowd, no doubt all wearing masks and social distancing still. And this woman was holding her young baby. And Biden, it, he was like a dog sniffing, uh, you know, hadn't eaten in a day or two, and a can of dog food gets opened up because he, he perks up. And he walks audio of him sniffing was just grotesque. Oh, my God. And he he stiffly walks over and he's you can see him. He's getting up on his tippy toes, trying to look over the shoulder of the woman at this baby. And these women were having nothing of it. I mean, they kind of circled the wagons around him. And then some big badass looking dude, probably a Secret Service agent or some other handler for Biden, got up. And literally steered him away. And he looked confused. Like, in his mind, he was thinking, I just want a little sniff. And he was, it's, it was disgusting. This guy, I've watched him put his hand on women's breasts. I saw what he did to former Colorado State Senator, or Colorado, well, he was a state senator as well, U.S. Senator. Maybe he was in the House in the Colorado, I don't remember. But Cory Gardner's daughter uh, got mangled by Joe Biden when Corey was welcomed into the Senate. The video is disgusting. And so I, yeah, I have no problem reminding people who this guy really is because he is a pig. Well, my comments on the Bonniewell amendment, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, congratulations, Chuck, to you and your lovely wife, Julie. Well, on the Bonnie Well Amendment? Yeah. Well, I've got bad news for you, uh, good news for other folks who are texting and are dying to know but were in opposition. The Bonnie Well Amendment, Amendment 7, did fail. Oh, that's that's sad because the Republican Party, contrary to Dick Wadhams, who wants to, if you follow his strategy, it keeps diluting and diluting the Republican candidates. To, to have a closed primary and allow the Republicans to stand and put forward their candidates and let their candidates make an argument so people can really see the difference. When you have a Joe O'Day, it's like, well, he's just a Democrat light. 
and uh, he didn't really portray the Republican platform and message properly. And until we get Republicans, and I, I think Dave Williams is going to do excellent, and we'll have new candidates emerge that will really be distinctively different from the Democrat candidates. And then people will go, wow, wow, look at that, that makes sense. Like when you hear Vivek Ranswamy, people go, that sounds impressive. 100%. And it will also bring back all the disaffected Republicans, because that's what I hear more from. Not people who say, oh, that Republican Party, they've got Trump and I hate him. And I know there are some who feel that way. But so many people have left the Republican Party, not because we're too extreme or, you know, we're, we're not nice enough to everybody, but because we haven't been acting like Republicans for a long, long time. Absolutely. Well, Randy, I'll let you go. Uh, I love your tweets on X or Twitter or whatever it is now, but uh, God bless you, brother. Jack, uh, so grateful for your first-time call. I hope you'll do it again sometime soon. God bless you. Thank you. All right. We better take our break before we pick up any more phone calls. Are we ready to go back there, Blake? All right. Uh, it's interesting that, you know, I just flew in here. So no show notes, no real organization for what we're going to do. No audio, no nothing. Uh, but Jack just teed up a topic that we will certainly at least begin to address before our guest at the top of the hour uh, Tamara Farah and her excellent expose on woke education in townhall.com. Uh, and we'll spend a lot of time getting back to local politics. But Dick Wadhams, the most disgusting article I have ever seen from someone who claims to be trying to support Republicans. And I called him out for it at the Central Committee meeting, and we'll talk about that as well. Plus, get to more of your calls when we return on 710 KNUS. And you got that right. One very prominent Republican texted me and said that he, she, or it would have dropped out of the party if the Bonniewell Amendment had passed. So we'll dig back into more of that, uh, get some perspective on Dick Wadhams, who in a newspaper article referred to Colorado State GOP Chairman Dave Williams as Comrade Williams uh, a little bit later on. But phones are so busy, we've got people who've been holding. So let's start with Jack in Wyoming, our old friend Jack. Welcome back. No, this is first timer Jack from Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's what I want to run by you real quick. This whole issue about whether there was or wasn't election fraud, I think when this uh, this Jack Smith filled out the the indictment against Trump, the cornerstone and the basis of it is is that he was claiming that there was he improperly claimed that there was uh, election fraud and that motivated people and caused January 6th to happen. Okay, now let me just hit you with this: all judges, if you go back to uh, uh, the monkey trial, if you go back to any of them. Any trial that goes before any court, if it's highly split emotionally on two sides, judges don't want to weigh in on it. They don't want to hear them. They, 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 they sweep them aside. And I think that's what happened with all the evidence that was tried to be presented on the election fraud thing. That said, now that Trump has been indicted, with that being a key element, his, he has the affirmative defense 
cannot be denied to him to bring all that evidence in now. It can't be swept under the table anymore. What do you think? Well, absolutely. In fact, uh, Alexa, our serial texter, always the first to join every show, is <laughs> so awesome, uh, made kind of the same point that he, Trump now gets to subpoena anybody, you know, and of course within limits, but regarding the election, regarding J6, he gets to bring forward evidence that has been precluded by courts who didn't want to touch this thing. Exactly. With a 10 exactly. poll. And I'm, and Jack, I just, Sit in Second am- question. Okay. But I just sit in amazement at the number of people who will continue to go on TV or come behind a microphone or write in the paper that there is no evidence of fraud yeah. or, you know, irregularities yeah, yeah. in our elections significant enough that because they don't say none now. They just say it wasn't significant enough to alter yes. the outcome. But They're hedging. the yeah. truth of the matter is that. Donald Trump, if you accept the vote count as is, lost by 44,000 votes or so in just the right places around the country. And so, of course, it would have affected the outcome. Uh, But you had a second question. Go ahead. Yeah, I do. If this Jack uh, Smith, who's not terribly bright, if he gets down the road and tries to try this, and when Judge and when and when uh, Trump brings in the evidence on the election fraud, if he sees where that's going, does he have the power at that point to drop the charges and let it disappear? That's the biggie. Well, I think a prosecutor can always move to dismiss, and a court yeah, has but, no and the court has no jurisdiction over whether that happens or not. Well, the judge could be petitioned to not let it be dropped once it's been started, don't, Do you, doesn't he? You mean by the defense if they wanted to get their case presented? Is that what you're getting at? By the well, it would be the prosecution if it's Jack Smith. He's prosecuting Trump for this crime. No, but no, but you're saying can the prosecutor uh, can the case go forward even if Jack Smith wants to dismiss it? And then based yes. on your comment, I thought you meant, but Trump could argue that he wants to go ahead and have the case go forward. My, yes, we need to have this. This I is know. the most important issue that we can get adjudicated. And it hasn't been because everybody's been too chicken. You, and, and I understand why. I mean, no judge wants to get involved. If you go back to the monkey trial, nobody wanted to weigh in on, on, on evolution over creation. N- nobody wanted to do that. It was it was it was too it was too. And, and the truth of the matter is all, all the judges sidestepped it, even though it was on the state. Level, even the U.S. And even the U.S. Supreme Court didn't have the guts to weigh in on the most important decision. People say even the Supreme Court saw through it. But no, they just refused to take it up. And they're the only court where individual states could have brought their claims about the election. It was extraordinary, the lack of courage that was on display. If the complete understanding of, of, of the Scopes trial is so important, it is so important, even though it was in state court. But the point of it was to make a test case and to kick it up to the Supreme Court. But they, they just let it die on the vine because no judges wanted to touch it. It was too politically fired up. That's exactly what's happening now. It's the same thing. Well, what do you think about Alexa's point that they've just simply overplayed their hand now because Trump. Uh, with well, what seems to be a, a very strong team ready to go right at him, can now actually get a chance to present why he believed then and continues to believe now that this election was stolen from him. Yes. And if he proceeds with that and he starts to be successful in it, I don't think they should be allowed to drop the charges because it needs to be concluded. You got you see where I'm coming from? Uh, sure. I, I would love to see that happen, although if I'm if I'm representing Donald Trump and 
the prosecution says, okay, we're done. I'm letting that go. I'm finding another way to get my facts into evidence in front of the American people. Hey, can I ask you one question? Just because it's just too dangerous, you know, especially where he might be tried. Any the get Trump uh, effort, if it's in Washington D.C., whatever, is going to be uh, well, hard no, he to can overcome. If he can't get a venue that that's at least somewhat fair, he can appeal it on that basis for the next five years. I mean, come on, it ain't gonna, he's, the election will take place long before before the venue issues even decided. One question real quick before we get to other callers that uh, Alexa also asked at the start of the show. Because the Florida case is set for trial in May of next year, the D.C. trial will have to be much later than that because Trump has the right to prepare for each trial. Right. How do you think these right. different judges are going to deal with that problem? They're all individuals. It's just like bird dogs. No two of them the same. Yeah. But do you think it's hard to imagine a judge who wouldn't understand that, hey, I've got this one felony indictment I've got to deal with before I can take yours on. And can you believe that the audacity that Jack Smith and the deep state wait for two and a half years to bring these charges against Trump, go through all of these depositions, grand jury testimony, arrests, all the different things that they've done. And they want but they want a speedy trial. We we want to get this over. Yeah. Jack Smith is not involved in crimes against the people. He's involved in stopping Trump from being able to, to run for office. And, don't, and people should not forget that the, when he went after Bob McConnell or McDonnell in Virginia, governor convicted him that this U.S. Supreme Court, with plenty of liberals on it, voted unanimously to overturn that conviction. That's how politicized yeah. that guy is. So, yeah. all right, Jack, good, good call. Right, Thank you, sir. Have a good weekend. All right, we've got time. Let's go to Richard in Colorado. Oh, Richard, I, you're driving around, man. How's it going? Yeah, I am. Hey, Randy. Sir, by the way, I'm glad you're back in the chair. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad you're back in the chair. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, no, we got you. I have two, two quick points, if you would indulge me. Okay. The first one is this rat, Ken Buck. I can't believe this, this weasel. He's a Mitt Romney Republican. When he was questioning Christopher Ray, he was just fawning all over him. Oh, you're you're so great. You're you do a wonderful job. Blah blah blah. Then to follow that up, he goes around saying, "There's no reason to impeach Biden. Just, you know, we're not we're not going to impeach Biden." And I want Biden impeached for several reasons. One, as payback for Trump, and number two, to taint this guy. And if we could get a conviction, that'd be even better because he's a pedophile and bribery is right there in the Constitution, Randy. I am extremely disappointed to hear, uh, and I haven't talked to Ken, I haven't read, you know, again, I've been out of the loop for a while, but I'm disappointed to hear that he opposes the impeachment. Do you know what his reasons are? No, it was, but it was a preemptive strike, if you get, if you know what I'm saying. I'm going to play... Get out in front of it. I'm going to say, pl- we, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate and think that maybe maybe Ken Buck's position is we have a Democrat-controlled Senate. We're never going to be successful in actually removing this guy. We we still know we have to go through with it. We We must impeach this guy. For me, it's all about the investigation. If they open up an impeachment inquiry, they have subpoena oh, yeah. power. They can force oh, yeah. people into rooms to answer questions. Oh, well, Kevin McCarthy has also said, has already said that impeachment inquiry is first. I would be happy with that. Yeah. Because we'll get subpoena power, as you said. 100%. I'm, I'm with you. 
So people of Greeley, do the right thing. Primary this guy. Get rid of him. He's a bum. Secondly, what? Randy, this is a point of order. With this republic, you know this compelled speech argument that's going on with the Colorado Republicans. Why can't we say you need 60% of a quorum, that you need 60% of all the people who are there? And don't worry about the people who didn't show up. They don't get to vote either way. No yes, no no. Because the state statute doesn't permit that. Well, I, is it so? It's a Colorado, Colorado thing. It's not the Colorado GOP that's doing this. Correct. The Bonniewell Amendment was to uh-huh. allow the private organization known as the Colorado GOP for that one particular uh-huh. issue, where the state mandates that we have to get seventy-five percent of the entire membership to approve an opt-out. When okay, we so when we don't even get seventy-five percent of the entire membership at the meeting. Members who are unable to attend, can they do a proxy vote ahead of time? They can. They can just send a proxy well, that, in. Yeah. That would that would cure the problem, I think. Well but But I don't like but, the but idea they don't. that <laughs> if you're not if you're not there, that's an automatic yes vote. I don't like that. And I or don't particularly care for it being an automatic no vote. Well, that's the problem. Is it is an automatic no vote under this in this one uh, area where this impossibly high seventy five percent threshold and exists? And it's due to the the GOP bylaws, Randy. No, the seventy five percent requirement is because Prop one hundred eight was passed by the citizens of Colorado and is now state right. law. Yeah, and that was the language of Prop one hundred eight. Correct. Okay, I got you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Right. Safe travels Thanks. out there. So long, brother. Bye. Yeah, well, we don't have time for anybody else right now. 303-696-1971 is the number. We're going to have lots of open lines as we go forward on the show. But uh, when we come back, we're going to change directions a little bit because there's just nothing more important than our children. I've got grandkids, and I've had my own battles with the schools as my kids were going through. And so just nobody better than Tamara Farah whose article in townhall.com, I think it just came out today, Parents Beware, SEL and Whole Child Manipulate Your Kids. And if you don't understand what those letters stand for, what those words actually mean, not only will we update you on that, but uh, some good history about the long haul against our schools, our children, and our freedom. It's been happening a long, long time. First hour is underway. Appreciate all the calls. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. I hope you'll stay with us right here on 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.